0: Good morning, Hi everybody. Hey, good to see you. And welcome to River Glen. Welcome here in Waukesha. Welcome in Pewaukee on the other side of the camera. And online, wherever you might be located. So good to have you. Thanks so much for joining us for uh, church. Reminder, uh, n- next weekend, actually next Sunday, uh, both campuses, Waukesha and Pewaukee, we got the welcome uh, brunch, 1030 to uh, 1130. If you're new, you know maybe it's your first time here today. Our second time, third time. This is the next step uh, for you. Great way to find out more, or maybe you've been attending River Glen for a long time, even years and years, and you just want to find out more. Anybody that wants to find out more about our beliefs, our mission, our vision, where we're going these next few years, and how you can be a part of it, uh, come to the welcome brunch. We give you a free T-shirt. We give you a free, uh, delicious. Brunch, And I think you'll really enjoy it. We'd love to have you join us. You can just sign up using the welcome card. Put that in the uh, offering box or stop at the uh, welcome center after the service. All right, today we uh, begin a new series on a character in the Bible by the name of Joseph. Uh, not, not Joseph in the Christmas story, not the husband of uh, Mary. We're talking about a different Joseph in the Old Testament. And when we pick up the story of Joseph, he is 17 years old. So what I thought I'd do as I uh, start out today, is I want to show you a picture of me at age 17. You guys ready for this? Yeah, check that out. Yeah, it's kind of a ridiculous, kind of a glamour-type shot. I think it showed up in the uh, yearbook back a long time ago when I actually had uh, uh, hair. But it got me thinking uh, as, as a 17-year-old, uh, how did I think my life would go? And uh, how many things turned out the way that I thought they would? At age 17, and I realized that almost nothing in my life turned out the way I thought it would. At age 17, I can make a long list. I'll give you a few examples. At age 17, I didn't, I, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have a plan to become a pastor. Um, in my wildest dreams, I, I didn't think I would. Uh, plant a new church or live in in Waukesha. Uh, When I was 17, I had a girlfriend in high school and I thought maybe we had a a future. But then I went to college in Illinois and that dissolved the uh, relationship. But fortunately, God had another plan, met Marnie in college and we got married right after uh, we uh, graduated. I applied to a church in central Illinois and I really wanted to go work for this church. Without me knowing... They forwarded my resume to a church in Western Kentucky, and that's where we ended up living for the next nine years. At age 17, I mean, I had no idea I would ever live in Kentucky, and I never imagined any of that, never thought that I would go through, I mean, some of the painful situations uh, that I've gone through in my life. Uh, As I look back, my life has taken uh, many detours, more than I ever could have uh, imagined. So what I want you to do is I want you to think back to when you were 17 years old. And I want you to think about how you thought your life was going to turn out. And I know not all of you are 17 here, so maybe go back a few years. And uh, I wonder how many of you would say based on where you were at age 17 or a few years uh, before that that everything in your life turned out the way exactly the way that you thought it would i mean it looked kind of like this graph here just straight line you know everything up and to the right or how many of you would say no it looked more like this you know ups and downs and twists and turns and just squiggly lines that i never would have expected you know i think one thing that all of us have in common all of us have experienced a series of detours in our life. The dictionary defines a detour as just an unexpected or longer path. And that's what we're going to talk about in this series on the life of uh, Joseph. We're going to talk about detours. And as I begin, I want to just acknowledge that there may be some of us here today that right now you're in the midst of a detour and it may be difficult. It may be painful. Maybe you're in, a, maybe you're in what seems like a long season of uh, singleness singleness and you wonder you know w- when you're going to get to the place that you uh, want to be or uh, maybe you're dealing with some infertility in your family it, just an unexpected uh, detour you want to have a child you didn't know it, it, it could be this uh, difficult or maybe you're dealing with some anxiety or depression and it's debilitating and just really hard maybe you're coming out of a divorce or a breakup of a relationship or maybe, maybe it's a marriage that's taken a detour and you're waiting for it to get right back on the, on the right path. Maybe some of you, uh, maybe it was an unexpected job change and, you know, here you are in Wisconsin and everything seems uh, new. Maybe some of you are dealing with some financial uh, trouble, some legal trouble. Maybe you just feel lost spiritually and that's why you're here today. And uh, I want you to know I'm so glad uh, that you're here. I really believe that no matter where you're at today, when you look at your life honestly, you're either approaching a detour, you're in the middle of a detour, or you're coming out. Of a detour, and so we're going to look at detours from a biblical perspective, and uh, we're going to learn how to deal with them uh, really, really well, and and how to even thrive in the midst of them. Because every person God used in Scripture went through at least one detour. In their life, I want to give you a new definition of a detour. This comes from a, a pastor a friend in Arizona named Ashley uh, Woolridge with Christ Church of the Valley. They helped us a lot uh, with this series. A detour is a change in our plans uh, God uses to develop our character and competency so we can arrive at a better destination if we allow Him to do that in our lives. And I don't think there's a better person. For us to to look at in scripture when it comes to detours, than the life of uh, Joseph. We read the story of Joseph in Genesis chapters 37 through 50. And uh, I never realized this before. The book of Genesis gives more airtime to Joseph than anybody else, more than Abraham, more than Noah, more than Adam and Eve more than all of the creation account. Maybe that's because God wants us to learn from the life of Joseph how to deal, how to navigate detours. And so we're going to pick up the story of Joseph and look at the first detour in his life in Genesis chapter 37, and it begins this way in verse 2. It says this, Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, uh, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. And uh, first thing we notice about Joseph is that he came from a a, a dysfunctional, unhealthy uh, family. His dad had multiple wives. His dad had four wives and 12 children uh, with those wives. Two of those wives uh, were sisters. And we see, you know, Joseph's not perfect. I mean, first thing we learn about him is he's a tattletale. Yeah, he tells on his uh, brothers. He'd see his brothers do something bad and run back and he tells dad about it. You know, I remember growing up, I had two older brothers. And, uh, you know, if I'm being honest, I would, I would tattle on, on, on them. And you know, even though I was little, do you know why I would uh, tell on them why, why I was a tattletale? Uh, it's because I wanted to look better in the eyes of my uh, parents. The, the spirit of a tattletale reveals kind of a self-righteousness. Pride. And so early on, we begin to see some hairline cracks forming in the character of Joseph. But uh, Joseph wasn't just a tattletale. It gets worse. We learn in the next verse, verse 23. It says, "Uh, Now Israel, that's another name for Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made him an ornate robe. Uh, for him, a colorful uh, robe. Of all his sons, uh, Jacob favored uh, Joseph, and he made that clear by giving him this colorful, beautiful robe. And he didn't give anything to his other children. This would be like opening your Christmas gifts with your uh, family. And, you know, your parents give you your gift. You open it up and it's a pair of work gloves, you know, to keep your fingers and your hands warm. And uh, you're like, okay, okay, good. Uh, That's nice. But then all of a sudden, it's time for your brother's gift. And they're like, all right, everybody out in the driveway and it's a brand new pickup truck or a Lexus. And you're like, wait a minute. Something doesn't seem right here. Jacob gives... Joseph, this beautiful, colorful robe, and he did not give the other children anything. Most of the robes in the ancient world, I mean, they didn't really cover the arms or the legs. This robe goes all the way to the wrists, all the way to the ankles, and it had beautiful needlepoint. I mean, so much so that uh, Joseph gets put on the cover of GQ magazine (laughs) as a result. But here's what made his brothers mad. The robe not only represented something nice they didn't have that everybody could see, it also represented potentially that Joseph would receive a larger portion of the estate even than his, than his older brothers, which was which was uncommon. And so his brothers don't like uh, Joseph at all. You wonder how the other brothers feel about him? You don't have to guess because the next verse tells us, his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them. They hated him and could not speak a kind word. They they, they couldn't even say uh, one nice thing about Joseph. Now, you would think that Joseph would, would pick up on this and uh that he would start to navigate this sensitive situation with his brothers with some emotional intelligence. Um, but he doesn't. Many people, even some Bible teachers, they will make, they, they try to make Joseph out to be like this perfect person who never does anything wrong. But I don't see that when I, when I read this story. I mean, honestly, when you look at Joseph at this point in this story, you see an entitled, prideful, boastful young man. And, and we know that because in the next uh, verse, verse 5, it says this, Joseph had a dream and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Now, why, why did they hate him more? It's because when Joseph had this dream, he uh, tells his brothers, he says, hey guys, I had this dream and all of you bow down to me. Let me give you a little free advice. If you have a dream, and uh, your siblings all bow down to you, just keep it to yourself, okay? Yeah, you know, most people would uh, do that, uh, uh, right? But not Joseph, because he's prideful and arrogant. He doesn't only have one dream, he has a second dream. And in the second dream, his parents, mom and dad, they also bow down to him, and he tells them about it too. And his father begins to chastise him. And this begins to set the stage for the first detour in his life because Joseph is, is prideful and arrogant and boastful. And we know that he doesn't he really work uh, that hard. We know that because his dad sends the other brothers out to work the, the flocks and Joseph stays home because he's daddy's favorite. And so while the other brothers are out, you know, working hard, uh, you know, dad thinks, well, you know, I wonder if they're messing around. I think I'm going to send Tattletale out there to check on them. And so he sends Joseph out to check on his brothers and uh, watch what happens uh, next. So Joseph went um, after his brothers and found them near Dothan. That's about 60 miles away from their home. But they saw him in the distance and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. They plot to kill him. But the oldest brother named Reuben says, guys, guys, let's not kill him. You know, let's throw him in a well. See the cistern over here? Let's throw him in there. And so that's what they do. It says, so uh, when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. And you need to know this word stripped here in the original language, it's the exact same word they would use for skinning an animal. And so as Joseph approached, his brothers surround him like a pack of wild dogs. And they strip that robe off of, of, of him. And he's probably beaten naked, bruised, because he's fighting for his life. And they threw him in that well. that doesn't have any water in it. It's got rocks on the bottom. And he hits the bottom of that well. And in, just like that in a moment, the life of Joseph completely changes. And I wonder if you, any of you can relate, maybe even right now, You know, maybe things were going well, going good in your life, and all of a sudden, you know, you just find yourself at the bottom of a a well. Then what happens next? I hope you'll read the rest of of chapter 37. Take some time and do that uh, this week. Believe it or not, what happens next? The brothers have some lunch. They go to Culver's while Joseph is in the pit crying for his life the brothers you know sit down and have some lunch and then one of the brothers judah speaks up and says guys guys let's not kill him and you think finally a voice of reason judah says let's not kill him and live with guilt on our on our conscience let's sell him and you think well wait You, you, you can sell you can sell your brother and and live with a clean conscience? Really? Judah says, let's sell him and let's make some money off him. And that's what they do. They find some slave traders traveling by, some Midianite slave traders, and they sell Joseph to these uh, slave traders for 20 pieces of, of silver. And they take that colorful robe uh, dad gave him and they take some animal blood and they splash it on there, they head back home and they show it to their dad and say, well, guess something happened to Joseph. Joseph. Wild animals uh, must have killed him. And the brothers celebrate because uh, they got rid of the hated son. And look at what it says in the last verse of uh, chapter 37. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. But you talk about a detour? Let me show this to you on a map. Here's Hebron where Joseph lived with his family. Remember, he goes and checks on his brothers in Dothan. And then his brothers sell him to the Midianites, and they take him 300 miles on a detour all the way to Egypt. And today, as we introduce this series about the life of Joseph, I want to just take this first chapter of the story and show you three patterns that I think will help all of us deal with detours in our lives. And here's the first pattern. Detours have three causes. Yeah, I want to highlight three of them the first cause is our own bad choices i mean sometimes we just make some bad personal choices and we get sent on a detour secondly we can experience detours because of other people's bad choices other people's sin affecting our lives maybe somebody cheats on cheats us somebody harms us and you know you get sent on a detour, And the last one, this one is not always obvious, but I think you'll see this more as you honestly look at your life. Sometimes we go on a detour because of God's divine hand directing us. Now, I've seen all three of these uh, in detours that I've taken in my life. But I want to ask you, uh, when we look at the story of Joseph, which one of these three do you think caused his detour? Now, it's easy to just jump right to letter B, isn't it? Because, you know, it's his brothers who were responsible for, you know, stripping that robe and throwing him in the pit and selling him to the slave traders who took him to Egypt. But if we're really honest today, couldn't we say that Joseph, I mean, played a little part in that um, with his arrogance and his, his, his pride? Someday all of you are going to bow down to me. And what we're going to learn later on is that God actually wanted Joseph in Egypt. So in many ways, God's hand directed him to a place that he never would have gone. In in fact, let me just kind of give you a little sneak peek uh, to the very end of the story. In Genesis chapter uh, 50, toward the end of, of Joseph's life, he's no longer 17, but he's looking back on that event that happened at age 17. And look at what he says about it in verse 20. He says, you intended to harm me. He's talking to his brothers here. Watch this. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Could you imagine if we began to look at our detours this way, through this lens. I mean, what other people uh, did, uh, in, intending to, to, to harm us, uh, God is going to use for good. But here's why this is so hard for us. One reason is because when we experience a detour, we immediately go to one of these reasons right here. And we assign blame. We blame ourselves. We shame ourselves. We blame other people. It's their fault. We we get angry, and we blame God. That's why one of the most amazing things about Joseph's story, as you read it, you find Joseph never blamed anybody for his detours. I mean, he could have, but he never blamed anybody. And I think there's a great lesson for us. In that. We live in a culture where if you experience a detour, you know, it's easy to get caught up in, and, and consumed with, you know, blaming others, uh, blaming uh, yourself, shaming yourself, and, and you can get stuck in that. You can live as a victim and not be able to move forward. With your life And I know some of you have really been through some painful detours recently. All of us experience them sooner or later. And I want you to know it's okay to grieve and, and hurt and ask, why did this happen? But I also want to encourage you, if you're struggling to move forward, seeking the help of a friend, um, a pastor, uh, a Stephen minister, a counselor can be a great first step toward healing and moving forward with your life. Listen to this scripture that Paul writes in Romans chapter 8 about suffering and dealing with detours. He says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? In other words, if you've got God living in you, if you have the Holy Spirit. In you, You have God helping you. You have God healing you. You have God helping you move from victim to victor. Paul goes on. He says, We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I don't, I don't know who needs to hear this today, but whatever happened in your life, you know, you, you have God who is for you and he is, he is helping you and healing you so that you can move from victim to victor. You are more than a conqueror and you can move past whatever's happened in your life. And, and you need to move forward so that you can experience and learn the second pattern about detours, that God uses detours for our development. Now, what kind of development did Joseph need in his life? Well, he's prideful, he's boastful, he's entitled, he's an arrogant young man. God needs to develop Joseph so he can use him to do greater things. And maybe God needs to develop us too. You know, maybe we've got some pride arrogance, boastfulness in our lives. And God needs to develop us so that, so that he can use us to do great things in this world. Here's what we know about following uh, Jesus. You can have growth or you can have comfort, but you rarely grow while you're comfortable. You can have growth or you can have comfort, but you rarely grow while you're comfortable. And Joseph felt comfortable living at home as daddy's favorite, but in that uh, comfortable cushy environment I mean he's not going to become the person that God made him uh, to be and so when he moves out of that situation with God's help Joseph begins to grow and I would tell you when I look at my life when I look back at my life I mean I wish it wasn't true but the times in my life when I have grown the most have been when I have gone on detours that have felt uncomfortable I think for probably for all of us the last two years uh, have been a detour in many ways. It's been uncomfortable at times. And I think many of us would say that we have taken steps of growth and development, and we have grown more the last two years than any other season in our in our lives. In his book, uh, David and Goliath, author Malcolm uh, Gladwell, he talks about what he calls desirable difficulties. These are life events that seem difficult at the time, But ultimately, uh, they proved to be more of an opportunity than an obstacle. I, I found this fascinating. He says, did you know that two-thirds of all British prime ministers and one-third of all U.S. presidents lost a parent as a child? Now, you could say that's a coincidence. I don't think it is because people who have to overcome adversity, I mean, they got to work harder. They got to learn more, and in that way, their adversity, it becomes an advantage, an opportunity for growth and development. And and this detour is a great opportunity for development in the life of uh, Joseph uh, so that God can use him in a great way. One more pattern we see out of Joseph's life is that God uses detours to reroute us to a destination that we never would have gone to on our own. I mean, think about it. Um, Would Joseph would Joseph uh, would Joseph have gone to Egypt? I don't think so. He never would have gone to Egypt. He never would have went to work for the Egyptian government. He's too comfortable. He's he's too entitled. Living at home, but God wanted him in Egypt because Joseph is going to get promoted all the way to the number two leader in in Egypt, working for Pharaoh. And with God's help, he devises a plan that saves the country, saves the entire nation. Joseph saves the lives of millions of people, including his own family, but he never would have got there without that detour. I want you to think about your own life. I wonder how many of you met your spouse? Because of something difficult uh, going on in your life, I wonder how many of you would say you started a new business or you started a a new job because the previous one fell apart. How many of you found Jesus, came to faith in Jesus because of something difficult in in your uh, life? Some of you moved to Wisconsin and started attending River Glen Church, and God transformed God's transformed your life, and it never would have happened without the detour that you've taken some of you maybe went through a long season of singleness and god god used that to change you into a better person and your spouse came along at just the right time maybe we need to start looking at detours as seasons where god uh, develops and takes us to a place that we never would have gone on our on our own I want you to hear the story of a young man in our church who went through a painful uh, detour. We, we We actually showed this story on Easter last year and it touched many people and so I wanna show it again and then I also wanna give you an update. Take a look.
1: My name's Ryan, I've been coming to River Glen for two and a half, almost three years and this is my story. Life before Jesus was tough. I had a lot of things in my life when I was younger that made me grow up really fast. And then I I joined the military, went on a few deployments. I've been in the Middle East and all over the country, all over the world. The last deployment I went on, I got hit in the head with a large piece of metal, um, which after that, now I've had to deal with the post-traumatic tendencies along with post-traumatic migraines. I started to develop anxiety, depression, We hit a point in 2018. I was determined one day that I didn't want to be here. anymore. I didn't know what to do, I didn't know who to turn to. Once we started talking with somebody and I got everything out in the open, um, my wife felt better and I know she, she relied on her faith through the whole thing. And she was coming to River Glen much longer than me. I popped in every now and then and the messages even then still kind of spoke to me and the music always spoke to me every single time. caused emotions just for what I was going through, but I never fully committed. The week after we went to the VA, River Glen was doing in-service baptisms. We hadn't signed up, but my wife turned to me and she said, I want to do this. She had never been baptized. I was baptized as a baby. However, I had gone through you know, all this stuff in life that I had remorse and regret and pain from. And I remember sitting in the auditorium Still not 100% sure on all this faith stuff, and going, okay, if you're there, I, I don't know where else to turn, and I've almost made the worst decision ever. If you're there, I'm going to go do this and give it a shot. They give you the option on the t-shirts, and I remember the specific one that first caught my eye was the one that said, "Forgiven," And that immediately struck a chord with me just because of everything that I had regretted that I had done to other people, or the pain that I've caused other people from my own decisions and actions, and I wanted to wipe all that away, and once I made that decision in the auditorium to get up there and go get baptized, and really, truly try to give it up to God, and say, please help me, I'm sorry for what I've done, I'm sorry for everything, and I want to be different, once I was able to give that up, things changed. Shortly after that, my wife did the Alpha course. She was really diving into this stuff, and I still, again, was kind of in and out, and would ask her some questions here and there. I semi-reluctantly was like, okay, fine, I'll come. And I walked in pretty skeptical, got a ton of questions. Everybody tells you that, hey, this is a safe space. Ask whatever you want. I was like, well, okay, you guys, are you ready? Because <laughs> I'm gonna ask. <laughs> Everybody was respectful, and a lot of people had tons of insight on a lot of things, and it gave me this community that I never had. I've had numerous conversations now, and they happen more and more frequently of, hey, you're different, like, what's going on? You used to be so angry, everybody could see the things that I was going through. I can't attribute where I'm at right now to anything but the baptism, and Alpha, and God, and the forgiveness that Jesus provided me, and me asking for that forgiveness and knowing that it's real
0: something he said stood out to me he said he's different people have people tell him that he's different he's not as angry and he has more joy and, and peace uh, because of, of jesus uh, ryan went on to serve as a as a leader in our Uh, Alpha Ministry, it's been amazing to watch God work in his life um, using this detour to develop and uh, reroute him. And uh, I'm excited uh, to give you just a little update. Last month, uh, Ryan uh, joined our staff uh, full-time. And uh, you're going to see him around here um, helping our church make more and uh, better followers of uh, Jesus. So uh, welcome him to the team. Let's give Ryan a hand excited about him. Yeah, for for Ryan getting baptized was a real pivotal moment uh, for him. And we've mentioned we've got a baptism bash coming up at the end of this month. And if you have questions or you're interested, this is a great opportunity uh, for you to to get signed up and take that step. And this is a a great event just for everybody to uh, not only celebrate uh, these baptisms, but just really enjoy a a fun evening uh, together. Uh, with our uh, with our uh, uh, church, I love hearing stories like Ryan's, where God reroutes someone uh, to a new destination. But um, it can be painful and difficult. You know, Ryan suffered a head injury, a um, a, a TBI, a, a traumatic brain um, injury that created a detour in his life. But I wonder, would he be the new person he is without that detour? Would he be the leader that that he is, that he's becoming without that detour in his life? And so if you're in the midst of a detour today and it's difficult and it's painful, I want to encourage you, hold on with everything you've got to your faith and your hope in Jesus. The Hebrew writer says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Jesus is faithful. He's not going to waste a detour. He's going to bring good out of it. He's going to use it for good. So I want to leave you with a couple of questions uh, today that I hope that you will discuss and uh, wrestle with, maybe, maybe over lunch today with your, with your family, with your friends, maybe with your uh, small group when you gather together. I think these questions really help us develop a better perspective to navigate uh, detours. You can write these down. You can take a picture of them uh, on your phone. You can also uh, get them on our social media platforms. Here's the first question that I'd like you to discuss. What is God teaching you from your current or your past detours? And then I want you to dig a little bit deeper into the second question. How would you think and act differently if you leveraged your detour for good? Instead of constantly fighting against it. If that's how you saw it, how would you leverage it to help you become the person God wants you to be? How would you think differently? How would you act um, differently? Well, today is, is uh, just week one. This is an introduction uh, to the series and to the life of uh, Joseph. There's so much more uh, to learn. But I believe God's got you here today because he wants you to know that he is. He's not done with you. He uses detours uh, to develop us and reroute us. And so I want to encourage you, uh, hold on um, to faith. And God God will take you to a better destination than you ever, ever imagined. Uh, Let me uh, pray for us. God, we thank you for the amazing story of uh, Joseph and how his... Life uh, teaches us so much, especially about how to, how to look at detours and how to navigate them. But God, I know right now that we have people going through difficult, painful, hard uh, detours, and I pray for, I pray for them. Um, maybe they feel like they've got more than they can deal with right now, and I ask you to give them Give them hope, fill them with strength and, 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 and help and use our church to encourage them. And God, I, I just lift up this whole series and pray that you'll use it to encourage all of us to develop a better perspective on how you can use detours in our lives for good. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.